Corey, we like, we like matchy matchy today. I know that was not planned people. We did not plan this shenanigans. Yeah, that's just, that just tells you how much Carrie and I are like twins, right? <laughs> so who did we interview today? This is exciting stuff. Oh, okay. I think you should just, I mean, he's amazing. So you're doing it. I get to do it. We interviewed Anthony Roth Costanzo. Oh my gosh. This person, I mean, seriously, there, we, I had to ask him how he plans his days because with the amount of things that he has accomplished, he's in the middle of, he's planning in the future for, I mean, then we're not even just talking about singing jobs, people. I, his schedule is insane. And I was like, how do you do this? What can I learn from you? Artists and residents, right? Like on boards and committees. And he did Broadway. He's had his own private shows that he did with a, a famous cabaret singer. I mean, people, we can all learn from this man. I just love his energy. I love his heart. I love where he talks about like his intention behind everything and why he would do this project or not. And I, it's just, and he talks about the relationships with people. And that is why he has been so successful in getting these projects done. And I find that to be so glorious and amazing. Love him. We can all, not just singers, but all humans, I think, can learn from watching this. Absolutely. Because he, as I always like to say, he has his poop in a group, people. <laughs> and then some. I mean, it is like plus, plus, plus after that comment. Mm -hmm. So take a listen, take a watch, and don't miss this one, okay? For real, you're going to love this person. I mean, if you don't know him, you're going to love him, and you're going to want to follow everything he does. Trust me. Check out his Instagram because it is fierce, people. Fierce Instagram. Hello. Fierce Instagram and fierce voice. Like, should we, yeah, we didn't even say that. Like, he's an amazing singer. Oh, oh, for right. <laughs> like, he's an amazing singer. So I know. Yeah, amazing artist, amazing singer. I mean, like, you want to share the stage with him, people. These are the people we want to be on stage with, right? Bingo. So check it out. That's how we're going to say. Take care. Stay safe, people. Bye. Bye. And then to answer your question of where am I going? <laughs> what am I doing? I don't know. But I think what I'm always interested in is where can I have the most impact? Mm. If it's as a singer, that's great. If it starts to be in other realms, I don't think there'll necessarily be a moment in which I say, oh, I stopped this and now I do this. Mm -hmm. I think things will, will go like this. We're very used to directors, for example, running something and they continue directing while they run that thing or sure. sometimes direct things at the company they run or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, we're not used to singers doing that, except maybe Beverly Sills after she sang, you know, running a company. But right. um, so I think, you know, I continue, all I, I can say is I continue to learn, to hone my skills, to understand all of these things. And if uh, my skills are useful and the fact that I was an artist first, um, if that combination is useful in a unique way, I'm excited to explore any possibilities. Um, so, yeah. Beautiful. Ooh, what a good picture. Oh. Hi. Great to see you. You guys are amazing. 
You got two little blondes. You got two blondes today. So there you go. I love that. I know. I didn't expect it. Here into 2022, I am drinking coconut water and health. Health and wellness. Cheers to that. I'm just a huge jar of water. Yes. That's very busy, though. It's very deliciousness. I'm trying to stay hydrated. And cheers to you being on the screening Yay, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you guys for having me. I'm a fan. Well, I'm a fan. I We have lots of awesome sauce questions to ask you. I'm super excited about this chat. Okay, good. I can't wait. Well, can we ask where you are? Because that is a beautiful background. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I'm here in my apartment in the West Village in New York. Um, and I'm happy to actually be home uh, you know, in, in the fall when it wasn't so crazy with the pandemic, I was traveling all fall and now I'm home for months working. I have five concerts with the New York Phil in the next two weeks and then go back to the Met. So it's, I get to be on home turf, so I'm happy. That's amazing. So, so what are you doing with the New York Phil? Well, I'm the artist in residence this season. And so I curated this whole series, um, which is called Authentic Selves. And it began with me saying, I'm a countertenor. So there's a difference between the way I sound and the way I look. And therefore difference between perception and expression. Ooh. So what is the authentic self? Is it the way I look or the way I sound? Mm. And from there, we spun out a lot of programming with a lot of partners, not only the orchestra concerts, but um, this week we did a panel with the National Black Theater we did, which was really fascinating um, about beauty and the black body. And it was Mm -hmm. with incredible panelists. Um, We did a a series at the Alliance Francaise where we had um, singers from all over the world with different French languages and dialects, you know, talk about how they express that through music. And then uh, in the orchestra programs, uh, and, and there are many, many other things, of course, through the end of the season, but the orchestra programs in the next two weeks I'm singing, um, I've commissioned two world premieres, um, which is exciting. Text by Tracy K. Smith, who was the Poet Laureate of the United States and a Pulitzer winner. And then uh, the composers, Joel Thompson, who's Mm -hmm. unbelievable. And then the brilliant Greg Spears. Um, And then I'm bringing Justin Vivian Bond, who's an incredible, iconic, um, trans performer to the Phil, and we're going to have the queerest night ever the Phil has ever had. Um, <laughs> so that well, that, you just did that all, only an octave apart, right? Exactly. So with, we're doing bits and select. Our album comes out on Friday, the 28th of January. So, right with in conjunction, we're doing newly orchestrated by Nico Muley versions of those things with the New York Phil. And then I'm singing. Knock on all woods for me, my first ever complete Les Nuits d'été. Can you I'm terrified, but excited, but terrified. I love that. Um, Have you done it? Have you guys done it? No. No. But I love it. It's beautiful. It's so amazing. People don't, it's hard for, it's hard for people to kind of wrap, talking about finding your true self, it's kind of, hard for people to wrap their head around me doing leader and recital because they, I know, uh, and I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission, but they, they put us all in boxes. And yes. that is what, that is a huge discussion that I think we all need to have right now with you, because 
they look at us, all three of us, and say, opera singer. Opera, opera, opera. All we could do. We're in that box and they cl close that lid. And you, looking at your bio, I mean, how do you define yourself? What If somebody said, if they put a gun to your head and said, okay, Anthony. Jesus. <laughs> describe yourself. Um, I would say that, you know, I am an artist first, but I'm a creative producer is mm -hmm. what I am. And mm -hmm. the reason I say that is because, you know, you're talking about being pigeonholed as, you know, whatever you do, Tosca or Norma or that kind of stuff. But um, as a countertenor, you're not even being pigeonholed. I mean, there's so, people have such a narrow, and what am I gonna do? I mean, at least they do Tosca and Norma at opera companies around the world. They don't necessarily do Amadigi di Gaula or whatever handle opera. <laughs> And, and, exactly. So, uh, so, um, so early on, it became clear that I could become the best countertenor in the world, which was not going to happen, but I could, <laughs> no, but it could happen, but I still wouldn't have a really varied, interesting career the way I wanted to. Also, I grew up, you know, first on Broadway, then doing films, then doing dance, working with a dance company. And, so I was, I had so many other interests and it became clear that if I started creating my own projects and those actually rose to a level that was interesting mm -hmm. and I learned how to craft them um, and get attention focused around them and a quality of work that was, was on par with what else was happening, then maybe people would start to, um, think about what I can do and, and do uh, differently. Mm -hmm. And now, ironically, what's so great about Les Nuits d'Ete with the Philharmonic is I'm coming back to do standard repertoire in a different vein, in a romantic vein mm -hmm. with a major institution. And I really think that that comes from me taking this very circuitous route and coming back. Because if I had just been singing my Handel and my George Benjamin or whatever music I'm singing contemporary and broke and then said, you know, I can do this, people don't believe you. But mm -hmm. then when you gather the agency over a long period of time of, of creating, um, people are more open. Now, I might mess the entire thing up and then it's all, you know, no one. But you're not going to know until you jump off the bridge and try it. I, I What I'm impressed with is that somehow, not only because of your work, but because I I have found that in some of the ideas that Sandra and I have been pitching that people are coming back and they're like, mm, because they don't know if it's going to sell because they're still catering to the old model, old older members for finances. And so my curiosity is, how have you been able to say, listen, this is going to sell, trust me, we're going to do this, it's going to work? That's such a great question. Um, I think, first of all, when I create a project, I want the art to be, you know, foremost, of course. But I try not to create something and think about the marketing afterwards. Like, how are we going to market this thing we've come up with? I try and think as I'm creating it, what are the threads I can pull out that I can sew through the entire project that have to do with marketing and press? Brilliant. Um, and so that that's something I think about from the very beginning. Second, sometimes um, 
I know that if I get this collaborator and I do this thing at this space, and I'm asking an opera company or a co-producer a space for a very specific thing, I want $25,000 or I want your orchestra mm -hmm. or, and then I'm gonna take care of X, Y, and Z. I'll give you a specific example. I did a project when my first album came out called Glass Handle. It was mm -hmm. Philip Glass and Handle together. But um, that project, I raised a lot of money myself. I raised about $500,000. Okay. And then I went to Opera Philadelphia and said, um, you know, I, I want, your orchestra, and I want this to be an Opera Philadelphia thing, but I have Raph Simmons, the fashion designer, George Condo, the painter, Justin Peck, the choreographer, these people have agreed to do it. They have their own audiences. I'm not looking for you to recoup your investment on box office, um, you know. Okay. Uh, and so I, I sort of created an infrastructure and a scaffolding, and they knew very specifically what their part of it was. And okay. they agreed to take that on their backs. So that's one model. Um, and then, I mean, there are, there are other ways to do it, but when you have to slot into someone else's season, especially in their space, mm -hmm. I feel like you have, that's where people get really worried about, well, are we going to sell yes. this? Or that? And so, um, you know, I've, I've tended to create, um, you know, to take things out of the normal space and to prove myself in those other spaces that mm -hmm. actually it did get two New York Times articles, you know, and it did get, right. uh, you know, all of this attention, it did sell out. And so, yes, maybe we could listen to what you're saying and think that that could actually work. I love that. Um, it's a long story, but through my husband, I live in Nashville and we're connected to that world. And that world has venues all over the place that are so outside of our, you know, classical world. And I find that that is the most interesting thing because can we put something like, like what we do in that venue and make it work and get a buzz around it? And I think that's super cool. Okay, who taught you this? How yes. did you know how to do this? I think this is so invaluable, especially for young singers. Um, during this last, you know, shit show we've all lived through that you can, you are masters of your own future, your own road, and you can create the content and you can put yourself out there like this. Who taught you this? Well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I learned it in a lot of different ways, but I really, no, no one person taught me. I learned by doing. And mm -hmm. when I was in college, you know, and you have different resources at different times, but I'll, I'll give you a few different small stories. When I was in high school, uh, I had been performing in New York. I loved New York. I felt like I was myself there, was an artist, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then my parents who were in North Carolina, I had to go back when I started to sing opera as a young 13 year old instead of doing Broadway because I wasn't making any money like I was on Broadway. And yeah. so I couldn't afford to stay in New York. So I went back to North Carolina and I didn't like the school so much because it just didn't feel like me, you know, it was all these athletes and whatever. But I thought, well, what if I start the cooking club? And, you know, I wound up starting this thing. We did waffle sales. All the athletes loved the waffle sales. So all of a sudden, we created this whole infrastructure where we were raising money for charity. It turned into a big thing at the school. And I realized that you, with leadership 
and collaboration, you could sort of create this kind of thing. So then when I did my undergrad at Princeton and I was trying to avoid writing a 200 page final project, you know, of some kind and all of that, I said, okay, I'm gonna take this repertoire of the castrati that's been lost and put it together in a, in a kind of pasticcio with spoken dialogue and with dance and with these amazing famous artists I'd worked with as a teenager, I brought them to the university, developed this whole project, but it was gonna cost $35,000. And the university, and you know, I made this budget, okay, well, we need to get a dance floor and we need to get lights and we need to get this. So the university said, um, well, the music department can give you $1,000. And I was like, but I need 35 and I've got these famous artists. And um, so then I thought, how could I accomplish this? And I was thinking about the university and the university has so many different departments. Mm -hmm. And I started to think about what was connected to the show because opera is so interdisciplinary, literature, history, gender studies, mm -hmm. you name it. We, we came, I came up with 11 different departments. Nice. <laughs> and then I went to each department and I went to the chair of the department and I said, now I know you have a discretionary fund and I am doing this project. It's these, all these people, I've already got these two departments in. Do you mm -hmm. want to be in on it? I need two, $3,000. So after 11 departments were all a part of this, we had this truly interdisciplinary thing. Then I went to the, the dean of the school and I said, okay, now I've got a filmmaker and we have 11 departments and famous artists and students. We should be filming this for a documentary and that would cost $22,000 to film. And she said, well, who's gonna edit it? And I said, I can't tell you that now cause I don't know, but we got to film it. She gave me the money and I eventually went back to the university after I got this editor to make a little trailer. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, if we want to flesh this out, here's my vision for it. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and when you ask who taught you, you go and you read and you see, okay, short length documentaries can go to which festivals and you look and mm -hmm. if we want to send this to festivals, it would cost $80,000 more to make this into a film. That's what this filmmaker said. The university went for it, but I said to them, the reason I'm asking you for this money is so that it can belong to Princeton University and it can go out into the world as a Princeton University film. It's gonna be a major deal. I believe that it's beautiful. Take a look for yourself. If you wanna own it, if you wanna show it at any alumni conference, if you want it to be at festivals as Princeton University, this artsy university, which it's not, <laughs> presents, you know, if you wanna change your reputation, mm -hmm. give, $80,000, which is a drop in the bucket for you. Right. And, and then we made the film, it went to Cannes, it played on PBS, et cetera, et cetera. It so, won, didn't it win a lot of awards? It won some awards and, you know, so so in any case, at that point, um, this choreographer who worked on the project had a dance company in New York and I was out of college looking for a job and she said, do you wanna be the executive director of my dance company? And you did such a great job with that and so, for a couple of years, my job when I wasn't singing was administrative. And so, you know, gotcha. I would encourage young singers, try and get a job. And it doesn't have to be an opera company. No. It can be mm -hmm. a dance company. It can be a theater company. In fact, I encourage you to learn arts administration skills in other fields. It, mm -hmm. And then you're not working for the company you're auditioning for or anything like that. Right. 
but I learned regular businesses. I think, you know, I tell people all, all young singers learn about money, learn about finances, learn about how to keep books and save your money because nobody teaches you that, you know? And so you seem just like a naturally born fundraiser, yeah, you know, you, fundraiser. it seems like you just, you just know how to do it instinctively. Well, it's a little bit of instinct and it's also learning. I mean, watching when I was the executive director of this dance company, um, watching how we raised $3 million in two years. Um, you know, we did it with art auctions where we asked artists to give certain things. When we had a patron, what was the buildup of the relationship? You can't just approach a rich person and say, I love this project, I'm doing this thing, this is who I am, can I have the money? Mm -hmm. that just doesn't work so how do you develop relationships how are you yeah. doing that for 10 years down the road for a project mm -hmm. you don't even know about mm -hmm. and how can you do that more rapidly all of these kinds of questions and so when I moved to projects later on and as they got bigger and bigger I was able to apply those kinds of skills that's amazing do you do you think maybe I mean people I didn't know this Carrie and I didn't know this that you started on Broadway yes. at a very young age, like 11, right? Yeah, exactly. Do you think that helped make who you are now as, as, as not just a singer, but as a business person as, because Broadway is, is you know, it's cutthroat. It's no joke. It's no joke. I mean, you know, my approach, I think it did to answer your question. And I think that is because of one thing, and that is how we form relationships. And at a young age, I was in all of these different contexts, meeting all of these different people of all different ages and learning how to have fun with them and have a relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think what in, in my experience now having, you know, last year I created this huge project for the New York Philharmonic we can talk about, but the relationships day to day are what produce the good art. In the mm -hmm. rehearsal room, I'm sure you've all ex both experienced this. When you like your colleagues and the community is strong in the rehearsal room, the communication is strong across yes. the flights. Yes. And, you know, uh, in terms of fundraising, it's all about that communication and those relationships. So how are we interacting with people, creating community, understanding who someone else is and how to relate to them. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I learned as a kid, being thrown into all these different contexts with pressure and you know all of that stuff. Um, and, I, and, and then the last thing I'll say is I remember when I was doing the Met competition um, and I was freaking out because I had this really, they wanted me to start the entire day in the final, I was in the finals with this really hard coloratura handle thing and i was first up and... why why do they do that like especially countertenors you need time to get going buddy like put the basses and the baritones first exactly exactly so i'm there and um thomas hampson was presenting it and he was giving this speech and he said before he went out you know can i is it okay if i uh, go off script and they said no don't go off script because we're on the radio well he went off script. Of course. And I'm standing backstage for like 10 minutes going like, I, uh, I was so nervous. But some 
I don't even remember, it was either stage managers or people were, they were having this conversation that was very funny. And I like tuned in for a second and I forgot about mm -hmm. being so nervous and we laughed and it was like human interaction. Mm -hmm. And I walked on the stage and I sang, mm -hmm. you know, like it, it's like, we, we have to remember we're human beings totally. and it can't all become about this perfection. So, yeah. I, that's my favorite part. I think when you're working with great colleagues is that what the shenanigans that are going on backstage, even right before you walk on, I mean, with Sandra and I, we've worked together a couple of times and, you know, one's on one side, one's on the other. And we're like, ah, you know, I mean, just the craziness and some colleagues don't like that. So you have to read the room and know which colleagues like need to focus before they go on what moments those are. But then there are other times where you're just backstage goofing off and then you walk on and you, you die or you walk on and you see something really sad. I mean, it's spit in your face or you spit in my face and I want to pee my pants on stage so yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> I love yeah. that I love that we're doing the confrontation scene you know with Jane Seymour and Anna Belena and uh, you know I'm just like you know mm. And it was, Carrie's tried to keep a straight face and I'm just, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? I couldn't. I, it was, I am one of those. It's, it's a blessing and a curse to have exactly what I'm thinking and feeling all over my face. I can't, it's so difficult to hide. If you ever just see me go like this, it's because I'm hiding. I have to hide. And when she did that, I'm on my knees looking up at her and I saw the big woogie come at me. I mean, I could, I. <laughs> did you guys lose it? Did you? See I did. Bringing, okay. But you had to, I had to pull it together because she's facing the audience. I'm not. And so I can't, she cannot laugh during this moment. You know what I mean? So I had one like that when I was in um, Helsinki and I was doing this Kaya Sariaho opera that was so complicated. Okay. And I was on stage with Devon Tynes and it was this whole Peter Sellers production. You know, we had these very specific gestures. Mm -hmm. And at one point we were supposed to, he was like a ghost and, and oh. we were supposed to kind of kiss. And he was sweating so much because it was really physically challenging. <laughs> and so we kiss and as he pulls back a long string of snot. <laughs> I just snorted. <laughs> and so he is like you, he just starts going like. <laughs> and meanwhile, I'm like, uh-uh, the can yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't have time for that right now. And he's like, and so, and then I start making these <coughs> like trying to break the string of snot, which is just hanging there. Oh my God, I would have died. I it would have awful. died. Oh, okay, let's talk about modern music. I mean, that, it, it, I sang with Philip Glass. I, I did um, Civil Wars, I recorded it. I didn't know that I have to go listen to it. <gasps> Don't ask me what, what the part was, but it was really hard. And, and we all recorded it separately at separate times and kind of put it together. But I, I remember meeting Philip Glass because he wasn't there at the recordings. I remember meeting Philip Glass uh, at the Met and Christine Gerke was doing a role and I for right now I'm I'm having some timers I'm having old timers but I don't remember the name of the opera that they did at the Met it was a, the, no the 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 it was about space the okay, yeah um I can't right remember. I know I, I I think of the journey or the something the anyway voyage. the voyage and uh thank you journey voyage 
and Christine Gerke was singing one of the cosmonauts, the space people, and she she was saying, you know, it's like it's very repetitive, and it was very hard to learn because I remember it's it's you know it's da 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 da, you know, and so she had to sing peas and carrots and lilies da 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 da. So she said. Um, and I, I went and I listened to it and opening night, I came to Christine and I said, Oh my God, you did so good. Yeah. I said, Oh my God, you did so good. Oh my God, you did so good. You know what I'm saying? This like three times and Christine's eyes go like this. (laughs) Phil from glass was standing behind me. (laughs) Oh my God. Did he love that? (laughs) He laughed. And so I said, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I felt like, oh my God. <laughs> After that, I still been to civil wars, but how do you how do you learn some of this music? And do you love doing modern music? I do. I hate the beginning phase when you're like, crap, I'm never gonna get this. I can't do this. And I'm just like, I don't, I mean, I just went through this with these world premieres, two 15 minute world premieres for the New York Phil. And I was like, I'm leaving myself plenty of time. You always feel that, right? You Mm -hmm. always like, there's plenty of time. No. And I'm just like, you know, how am I gonna sing it? But once you, that's why I've learned, you really have to start early because as soon as you're stressed out about time mm-hmm. it becomes a crucible and you're just like wait is that a three four bar is that a five eight bar uh. once you I don't like to ever have to memorize like memorize memorize I like to sing things and try and enjoy singing them looking mm. at the thing and then do it enough every day little pieces of it that it starts to sort of be there. And then any specific tricky spots, I'll remember, you know, I'll come sure. up. But I remember there's one scene in Akhenaten where um, it's the first scene in act two. And it's like you're saying, but it goes on, it's a 12 minute scene. And it goes, ah, 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 ah. And then it'll change to you only do three of the uh-uhs and then you do two of the uh, 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 and then you repeat this other thing four times and then you go back to this and that goes on for 12 minutes and it's no. all on ah. Uh. No, bye, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It, and and you like, know, they I, think us singers, we're stupid. And so I started to make a chart that was like one A, one B, two A, two B. And then I had this whole chart that was like, 14 G and I was like, am I gonna memorize the chart? Like what's, what am I thinking? You know what I mean? So then I was like, okay, well, I guess what I'll do is I'll go to the gym in the morning and I'll put on this 12 minute scene and I'll run to the treadmill and I'll just do that every day for four months. Mm -hmm. And I'll listen to this thing. And all of a sudden it started to make this intro. I was like, right, now it goes ba da da. And then it starts to make this internal logic and your body gets there. But if I didn't have those four months, I would have been in bad shape. So, and you know, it's a different story when it's something like George Benjamin's written on skin, where my colleague who was in it, Lauren Snoper, who's wonderful, had said, start early. And I was like, but it's not that hard because looking at it, it's not. But what I realized is hard about it is when you're not looking at it, 
if you, there's nothing, you hear nothing. You're not, you know, getting any cues from the orchestra. You mm -hmm. only have to know where in the measure this is. Otherwise, you don't get any oral information. So that was a different kind of learning where okay. I had to visually remember the page. Right. Remember where I entered in this. And then to start rehearsing it, almost conducting myself mm -hmm. so that I would know, okay, if you look away here because you're on stage, you have to count to six. And then when you come back and he's here, you're coming in over here. I mean, it's hard stuff. Wow. Wow. But you find you eventually get there and, and enjoy doing it. And no, is, do you enjoy doing some of this because the pieces are written for you or because you can really tailor them to your voice and your personality? That's a great way to put it. I think that's absolutely true. And I also think, especially as a countertenor, there are ways new music can expand the voice um, for us that we don't get to do otherwise, that's really exciting. Right. Um, and plus working with living composers is so wonderful. You know, I have a session on Sunday with one of the composers of the New York Phil piece. So we can sit down and I can say, even just simple things like I could breathe here or here, but mm -hmm. if I breathe here, this crescendo kind of gets interrupted mm -hmm. if I breathe here. And then to hear what he has to say about it is yeah. so exciting. So, I mean, I really do love that. Um, and I also think it tests for me, what is the ultimate um, point of being an opera singer is mm -hmm. telling stories. And audiences feel like new music doesn't tell stories the way they want it to. Right. So my job turns into every time I'm working with whether it's the repetition of Philip Glass or the thorniness of George Benjamin, how can I tell the story ultimately once I've gotten through all the music? And it's so challenging that it makes me interrogate that in every aspect of either performing or producing. You know, how are we telling the story? And that's what selling tickets is too. How are we telling the story of this piece, right. of it coming together, of it existing, of the people in it to the audience. Um, so I like being challenged to tell a story in a new way. I find that there are specific directors, some that Sandra and I both love, even with the modern pieces that if you tell this, I mean, sorry, even with the standard pieces, if you tell the story in a certain way that grips the audience, that the singers believe in, that the orchestra believes in, because the orchestra, I always love it when conductors talk to the orchestra and say, this is what's going on here. And this is why we need these colors because blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of the orchestra members can read the markings on the page, but it's helpful to know exactly what everyone is going through, especially if the director takes a different turn and how they want to tell the story. But when everybody believes it, it is the most magical experience ever because then you know, you can feel it that you have the audience in the palm of your hand and they're with you on this ride for however long you know the show is and it's a glorious experience. I wish that more we had more directors and more conductors that believed in this so that it's all a unit. It's not just my ego, her ego, whatever. You know what I mean? I think that's so important, absolutely. So in Akhenaten at the Met, Oh yeah! Oh god! You know where I'm going with this? Oh, you go in. <laughs> you know it, cause uh, you you're you're naked. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait! In the south, we said naked. <laughs> you're naked. Um, 
I couldn't do that personally. And I applaud you for doing that because I have body issues and I would just be like, they don't need to see a 52 year old body naked on stage. But <laughs> did you do, did that take some bucking up to do? And did you like seriously work out beforehand? Oh yeah. I mean, it took a lot of bucking up. I, it's kind of like a wedding, you know, like for a wedding, if you were going to get married, I haven't been married yet. Any single guys out there, give me a call. Oh, um, okay. Hey everybody. Okay. I, think I, I, I think I might know one. Okay, great. Ooh. Um, <laughs> I like this. Um, you just have to, if, if we wind up getting married, you have to promise to marry us naked. You have to be naked. Everyone else will be. No, I'm just kidding. I'm yes, just girl. Kidding. Let the girls fly. Let this them is out. The Screaming Divas, you know, dating service. We'll we'll we'll, we'll help you. <laughs> Screaming Divas, we're full service. <laughs> I love this. I can't wait for the Screaming Divas app. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's going to be Screaming Divas in concert, so you know we're we're going to be a guest. Maybe not naked, but you know, <laughs> I'll be there. I mean, you know, I can be, you know, nude from the waist up. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, I am the, dying. the waist am down dying. bit that I don't think I could have done, you know, like. Yeah, for... I know. Well, it was, um, I, they told me, they asked me in London and I was like, why? We did the production first in London. Mm -hmm. And they were like, well, you know, you're on stage for three and a half hours and you become this pharaoh. But if we see you first in the most vulnerable, most mm -hmm. human form, it will create this bond like nothing else can with the audience. And I was like, crap, I kind of buy that. Like, I kind of buy that. I was ready to just be like, no, mm. it's just sensational. We don't need it. But I kind of bought that answer. And they were like, it's part of this ritual. And the whole piece is a ritual. Okay. All right. So <laughs> I... I'll tell you the whole, the true story, if you want to know. I I'm, would love to know. I, yeah. I was like, okay, I'm in London. Fitness is not as much a thing in London as it is in the States, you know, like the trainers and the whatever. But I was like, I need a trainer. I need a trainer. So I'm, I'm asking everyone. I asked the opera company. They don't, they're like, I don't know. Jim? Yeah, right. Like, and I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. so I'm like, where can I find a recommendation for a good trainer. And I have this idea. Like I'm gonna go on the gay dating app, Grindr, which is primarily like a sex app. Mm -hmm. right. Everybody puts photos of their bodies. So I was right. like, I'll just ask the people with the best bodies in London, who do you train with? Mm -hmm. Brilliant. So I'm going on, I'm like, I don't wanna have sex with you, but I wanna ask you like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you got a hot body, where'd you get that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this one guy was like, listen, you have to do this thing called EMS. Which EMS is or F? S, EMS, like, and it's electronic muscle stimulation. And it oh, was yeah. a machine that like contracts your muscles and you work against mm -hmm. the contraction. So I got super into that. It worked like a charm and I did other stuff too. And you know, all of my treadmill and whatever. And you know, it's not that I anybody said you've got to look buff, but it actually became a way to calm myself and oh. feel like I was doing the most for me mm -hmm. that I could do to feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And then when the moment came, it was still terrifying, but it it has this sense 
of freedom once you let go. It's like anything, you know, singing like before the first note, you're terrified. And then once you get out there and you're singing, then usually unless crap goes wrong, you know, it's really, you know, you can let go. Right. Well, this like I stand in this little thing before they reveal me thinking like, oh, great. I'm like, I know these people and they're going to see this. And I, uh, does everything look as good as it? And you're look? like, I'm sorry, it's cold on stage. There's a thing called shrinkage. <laughs> I would tell those technical people, I'd be like, listen, I mean, I was like, listen, the temp, we need to get the temperature on this. And they were like, but the air conditioner. And I was like, no, uh -uh. I was like, I don't want to be a diva about it, but like, you're, you know, most of those crew guys, they're guys. And I was like, you're a guy, you understand this. Like I need just for like this 10 minutes, you just got to help me out. Then, yeah. And then we get little warmer things and put them around me in the Perfect. thing. So, the, and then I would take a hot shower before I went on stage for like 15 minutes. I did everything. I bring a little space heater into my dressing room. Okay. You know, they have those those little warmers that you can put in your your mittens, you know? Yeah, I did. We used those and we like, you know, did them. And so I'm like all kinds of warm. And But then they reveal you and you go out there and you realize that if you are nervous about it, the audience thinks it's funny, actually. Oh. If you're focused about it, they they can't move. They're like, you know, because it's, and if you have, what's the choice you make dramatically like anything? If yeah. you have a certain vulnerability, they are right there with you. They're not gonna make fun of it. They're not gonna like, you know, be like, oh, did you see that? It's like, they can't move and you have their total attention, mm -hmm. which honestly is very exciting. I yeah. mean, it's- exciting thing but the one other funny thing I'll tell you is when it first happened I was so worried that everyone was going to take photos and put them on the internet right and then it was going to be this and like was it going to be cold and was I going to be featured to my best advantage on the internet and I kept seeing these flashes and I was like there it goes there's the photo they're yeah, taking the photo yeah. with and then I was like wait are all of these people taking photos with a flash that's weird and I remember thinking through this yeah. I realized that it wasn't people taking photos it's that they had their opera glasses and when they raised them they would catch the light and so I was like all right come on take get your opera glasses you out you don't need them people but you know, know. use them anyway exactly no right. so I had to start telling people like you don't need don't worry about bringing your opera glass you'll be fine It'll be fine. Now, I want to know, did, did, did you invite the guy from Grindr to a show? Okay, now here's the funny thing. Not only did I invite the guy to Grindr from a show, to a show, but the owner of the EMS business became a friend. He came to the show and then I brought him, flew him to New York, got some investors and we started an EMS business in America. No way. The entire thing. And we were like, before the pandemic took us down, we were like training Chris Rock and all kinds of people because it was like this amazing oh. thing. Amazing. Akhenaten, you know? <laughs> I should have called it Akhenaten. There's a great article. We can, we can link it in your YouTube, but okay. uh, you know, in uh, Bloomberg about forced to be naked on stage, opera singer starts business from Grindr. I mean, it was a... 
That is amazing. 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 Just making, you know, like making lemonade out of lemons, you know, you, you just go good for you. And again, like what are the narrative threads of marketing from the show? And that was the other thing is like, they always talk about it in articles because it sells tickets and people are interested in it. And it's a part of the show. Right. And we didn't do it because of that. But as soon as it happened, I was like, Hey, everybody in marketing, this seems like something you could pitch to a fitness magazine or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. I I think it's brilliant. Mm -hmm. What fun projects we know you're with the, the New York Phil, but let's go forward. Where do you see yourself in five years and 10 years? And big question, where do you see opera? Mm. The right. world of opera. You guys are asking such good questions. My oh, thank you all. Uh, I want to like, now I'm like, well, I have lots of questions for you too, but um, so for me, I'm really committed to creating points of access. What does that mean? Well, there's the whole question of new audiences and getting them into the theater. And we all talk about that and we have, but unless they have a point of access into that, they they won't be interested. I do believe that the material innately will excite them, mm-hmm. but they need the key to open that door. So I think a lot about how to create projects that are that key, that give people, that are the gateway drug, mm-hmm. that engage an entire other audience. And there are a lot of ways I'm doing that. Sometimes it's through education projects. Sometimes it's through engagement projects. And over the pandemic, you know, the Philharmonic was shuttered. Everybody was shuttered. But I called up Deborah Borda and I said, listen, let's get a pickup truck. We'll design it. We'll commission new works. We'll do old works. We'll get three or five musicians out. And we wound up doing 81 concerts in New York that I produced and they were all pop up and it was incredible. We were in every borough, in every neighborhood and people responded emotionally at that moment. Sure. Because it was what they needed. Yeah. So it changes with each moment, what will people need and Mm -hmm. what will speak, how also do we create points of access in their, in, in our work to represent their stories, mm. you know, and tell other people's stories. So I think a lot about that. Um, but I'm working on um, so many different projects. You mentioned this one only an octave apart with Justin Vivian Bond. Right. Um, this was a project I created, and we made a show out of this album, which will probably be out by the time you're watching this. Well, maybe we'll release it. Yes. The day that the the album comes out, because that is a Friday, correct? It is. I would love that. Perfect. See, marketing. Marketing. We're doing it. Under pressure. Sorry. That's what we're going to sing. So um, if you trust us, Anthony, we're we're just going to we're going to put it out and we give you, you know, I love that. That's so great. No, I mean, that that project we're taking forward in different incarnations. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm working on a project with the composer George Lewis, director Yuval Sharon, um, set designer Mimi Lian, um, about, uh, based on a W.E.B. Du Bois story called The Comet, and the coronation of Popea kind of mashed up. Cool. Uh, Beautiful. That's really exciting. I continue to produce and create, and I've just recently, this is a, a little scoop, but it'll come out later, um, gotten a big grant from the Mellon Foundation, um, oh. which I'm really excited about to do this work, not only of creative producing, 
but also mentoring and bringing other people along, which means I get help. They see how I create things. And then together, you know, nothing I do is just my idea. Everything I do is about collaboration. I don't have the best ideas myself. It's about collaborating. Right. And then to answer your question of where am I going? <laughs> what am I doing? I don't know. But I think what I'm always interested in is where can I have the most impact? Mm. If it's as a singer, that's great. If it starts to be in other realms, I don't think there'll necessarily be a moment in which I say, oh, I stopped this and now I do this. Mm -hmm. I think things will, will go like this. We're very used to directors, for example, running something and they continue directing while they run that thing or sure. sometimes direct things at the company they run or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, we're not used to singers doing that, except maybe Beverly Sills after she sang, you know, running a company. But right. um, so I think, you know, I continue, all I, I can say is I continue to learn, to hone my skills, to understand all of these things. And if uh, my skills are useful and the fact that I was an artist first, um, if that combination is useful in a unique way, I'm excited to explore any possibilities. Um, so, yeah. Beautiful. Can you tell me though, because there is so much going on in your life. I mean, we haven't even talked about teaching or being on the board of things. How do you manage this schedule on top of getting your voice ready for the next job, um, learning something new? I mean, how do, how do you do it? I mean, this is something I struggle with and I know all you, I mean, you do too, because you guys are both so do, doing a million things, but I, um, I try to think about it for myself and to tell any students I talk to, okay, there are 24 hours in a day. I know that I want to sleep eight of those because that's how I sing best. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, so, okay. So that's eight that's taken out. Then I probably need four more to like decompress, mm -hmm a friend, have a dinner, watch a movie, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So, okay, we're down to 12 now, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then max vocal time for me is like two hours. You know, okay. when, when you sing more than two hours of singing, full singing, it's not going to go well, you know? <laughs> All right. <laughs> turning into bad stuff. Mm -hmm. Then another two hours of like learning time where you're sitting in in front of a score, then my brain starts to go like, you know, so, you know, there it is. And like, you can or not. There's, <laughs> I can't wait to hear that though. Ah, me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> you know, after you've sung for two hours and studied for two hours, you're that part you're of done. the musician side, right. that's it. So right. that leaves you with eight, other hours, which is a lot of extra hours, like 12 yeah. minus that four, yeah. that's a lot of time. So I try and be mindful, you know, I'm going to be on Instagram because that's the nature of the world we live in and Facebook mm -hmm. and whatever. Mm -hmm. But I try and be mindful that like, what am I trying to accomplish on any given day with those eight hours? Okay. And, yeah. you know, today, whatever it is, I have this meeting or that zoom or we are doing this mm -hmm. and i'm thinking okay and then i want to leave myself an hour to dream about this project or an hour to have a coffee with this artist or mm -hmm. you know 
So I do have to be really disciplined. Okay. Um, and I am disciplined about it. But when I, when I get super anxious and I think to myself, I've got those eight hours, what do I want to do with them? Well, I'm singing at the New York Hill <clears throat> tomorrow. I want to take all eight of those hours and I want to watch Netflix. That's what right. I decided. Today. Okay. Okay. You know, right. because I need to be a singer. I need to just tune that out. Right. Or, and then if one hour gets encroached upon, it's not the end of the world. So that's how I try and keep myself from going insane. I love yeah. that. Thank you. That's brilliant. Did your parents teach you this being psychology teachers? Did you learn a lot from them? A tremendous amount. You're so well prepared. I love it. You know, all the things. Um, I love it. I love it. We do I'm our homework. Now. We do. I'm ready for your daytime talk show. I mean, hello. you know, watch out, Barbara Walters. Hello. No, Kathy Lee and Hoda. Hello. Hey. <laughs> I'm going to no. be on that show. It allows us, this show has allowed us to learn a lot more about our colleagues. And it's afforded us that time to really, and our public and our audience to get to know more about, you know, more of our friends and artists. But, you know, honestly, your parents and I, you seem so well-grounded. They're amazing. And I still talk to them every day and they're amazing psychologists. So, you know, but what they did teach me, um, I think was to always see that larger picture not to get so mired in the moment that we're in. And I've had a lot of good mentors in addition to them. Um, and I was just with my teacher, Joan Patnode Yarnell, who I've been with for 23 years. Love, love. So cool. She's amazing. That's and unusual. It's amazing. And you know what she said today, which was the best piece of wisdom? I, she was asking me to do something and I said, okay, I'll try. And she said, don't try allow mm. oh allow not do allow beautiful allow so you know, there's these certain things like that or she'll say things like you know i'll call her up because i got a bad review we all get our bad reviews and she'll right. say anthony critics are like virgins telling whores how to make love and i'm oh like, my god i gotta meet this lady <laughs> You definitely do. Oh my God. I usually say they're all like assholes. Everybody has one, you know? <laughs> that too. That too. No, they, oh, as yeah. my teacher, by the way, I told her I was doing this and she said, Sandra, that she has been your biggest fan for her entire oh. life. And she thinks you are the most incredible technician, singer, everything all around. So oh, uh, give her a big, big heart, heart hug and from us and you know, I've been with my coach, Tony Manoli, for 26 years, 25, 26 years. So I know that that relationship mm -hmm. that you have with her is probably very special. And And whether it's parents or a mentor, or, I do think that grounding force mm -hmm. of being reminded who you are. Absolutely. In the moments of panic, we forget who we are and, and that grounds us, you know? Totally. Yeah. I I, I applaud you. You are very, very well-grounded for all the things in your life you've done and all the people that you've worked with. It is very humbling to just, just sit here and talk with you. And yeah. Well, no, I'm humbled because I'm such fans of both of yours. Yay! I can't remember, Carrie, where I first heard you sing, but I was blown to the back of the theater and was like, 
Oh my God. So I hope it happens very soon again. That's all I, I hope so too. We're, you know, we're working on it. The pandemic was a, was eye opening for me. I have to say at first it was uh spin, spin, spin. And what are you going to do? And where is the outlet for all this create creative, um, create, I'm blocking. Creativity. Oh. That energy, that creative energy, like where can I channel this so that I stay married and not my husband's going to divorce me? (laughs) um, No, but I think the pandemic was eye-opening and really what I wanted the next half of my life to look like and what, how I wanted the, my singing to be if I actually still wanted to keep singing. So it was, um, Sondra knows this, we've talked privately about this and we've actually talked to other singers about this because even with Nadine, it was so Nadine Sierra. It was so fascinating to hear from her re-looking at her life and saying, "I don't want this anymore. I want that." And I thought, "Good for you." I mean, I I think I don't want to downgrade the lo- loss of lives that we have had through the pandemic, but there were moments that really made a lot of us look back and reflect. Yeah, so. and I think that that's been really valuable, and it made opera do the same thing. Now it's our job to keep pushing them. To Thank you. Thank because you. Because I don't want to revert. There's this slight sense I get that people want to just get back to, and we should be going forward to. Absolutely. The, so. Amen. I mean, that's, that's, you truly are the face of the future of opera in, in, in our opinion, my opinion. Well, I want, I want that. Absolutely. I'd get behind that. Yeah. Let me know. (laughs) Okay, great. I promise no nudity, but we'll all do a great production together. So to, to end on that beautiful note, as you know, we do have rapid fire. Oh my God. I can't, I can't even believe we've been talking for an hour. I feel like we could keep going. There's so much to discuss. I know. We need a part two. <laughs> okay, anytime. Okay. I know there is so much more, but you know, the, we're, we're just going to scratch the surface with this one, and maybe next time we can dive into more. Yeah, yeah I love that. But um, okay, rapid fire. We're going to go old school with you. We're okay. going to go with James Lipton. Okay. Inside right. the actor studio questions. I, I, I love, love that it. show. Love that show. Okay, go ahead. So number one, what is your favorite word? Um, oh, this is the James Lipton. Okay. Yeah. Win. Win. Good one. Love it. What is your least favorite word? Can't. Beautiful. Uh, I'm going to skip number three because that's always Carrie's question. It is? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Uh, I guess uh, running an opera company. Uh, okay. Everybody, everybody listen. There you go. One day. Okay. One day. I could see it. I could see it. Mm. Yep. Carrie. Then what profession other than your own would you not like to attempt? I don't think I want to do the um, the crab fishing, you know, like the dangerous <laughs> that it's that show on the. I'm worried about, and it also just looks cold. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, we're on the boats in Alaska. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like you have to get up really, really early. 
you're getting wet. It just seems like a lot of things I, that I wouldn't enjoy. Yeah, no thanks. So what, what turns you on? Not to steal from my the name of my series for the New York Phil, but authenticity turns me on. Beautiful. I Beautiful. love that. I, I agree with that. You know, I think that's where I love, I don't love it, but I like the machine of it, of social media. And I find that that's the trend. It's more, I want to see realness. I need to see, especially in our business, I want to see that on people's socials. I need to see some real stuff, people. Yeah. Not this curated, sparkly crap. Anyway. No, and we want, it's what we want on stage too. Like you can tell the artist from the minute they walk on that stage, if they're being honest or not. Thank you. you know? Yeah. Love that. Okay. Then what turns you off? Um, I would say anger because it always represents some lack of empathy on some level you know what i mean mm -hmm. and um so i'm and i'm trying i mean we all have to work at it because we all get angry Absolutely. but i'm trying to turn that dial off on myself too and you know find solutions instead of criticisms yeah okay uh what okay. sound or noise do you love You know, this is such a stupid answer, but I love the sound of NPR. I listen to All Things Considered every night as I'm falling asleep. Mm -hmm. And it's like, cause my brain is going like this. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and then I turn it on and I just listen to what they're saying. And there's so many different people talking about so many things. And then I just. Nice. I love that. Um, NPR, wait, wait, don't tell me. Do you ever listen to that? Oh love okay love. so why haven't you my husband every time we listen to it he's like i swear you and sondra need to get on there because they always have the guests so yeah. why have you ever tried to do that for yourself i haven't tried but i guess i have to we'll call up peter sagel let's go i mean come on andrew ousley from unison let's make this happen <laughs> all right i'm that's i'm just so <clears throat> what sound do you hate i hate the sound of, I'm trying to give you the best possible answer. Doesn't matter, what's the first thing you think of? The first thing I think of is that garbage truck backing up. Bingo. Sorry, I'm like cliche, but. Oh, I hate that, that mm, in New York City, if you don't, if y'all don't live in New York City, it is mm. mind numbing. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> All right. Gary. Okay. Favorite question. What is your favorite curse word in any language? Oh, that is a good question, isn't it? Um, I would have to say in Italian, the cazzo. Cazzo. Che cazzo fai? Che cazzo fai? Ma che cazzo stai facendo? Si. You can really apply it to anything. For any and everything. And yeah. it means penis, so I'm predisposed to like it. There, well, hi, I think we all are on this show. <laughs> yes, we do. We, yes, we do. Esperanza Scappucci, that was her favorite one. She was the first guest to use cazzo. Mm -hmm. All right, last question. If heaven exists, what do you want to hear God say as you walk through the pearly gates? 
Welcome to a new beginning. Ooh. <gasps> oh my yes. God, I think that yes. might be my, yeah, I think that might be my top fave now. Oh my gosh, I love that. Beautiful, love that. Well, thank you. Honestly, this was so wonderful, really talking with you and getting to know you better. And hopefully our viewers agree too. Yes, thank you both. And uh, I'll be looking for some, uh, you know, composer to write the three of us an opera or something like that so we can Wouldn't have a fun? time. Yeah. Can you I'm imagine? Crazy. That would be like some amazing energy on stage, all I have to say. I mean, that well, would I mean, three screaming divas. Exactly. Thank you very much. I'm gonna say, <laughs> just going to put it out there. Just going to, you are an honorary. <laughs> Oh my God. We're just gonna put Anthony Roth Costanza there. So. Thank you. We'll get you the T-shirt and the mug. Okay, yeah. so uh -huh. it's a deal. I can't wait. Well, thank, thank you. you so and much. Take care of yourself and be well. And good luck with all your concerts. You're gonna do it. You're gonna do it. And make it. I'm gonna channel you. I'm gonna think of all those things you do when you get through those Norma roles, and that's oh. what I'm gonna do to get through. Amazing. Thing, so. Yes, just yeah. Oh, right, Carrie. Oh, oh, Norma gods, please. You know when you're standing there right before Casa to give you're like, please, Flem, don't not on my cords right now. <laughs> not the moment. Not the moment. Any other moment, just no, no. So <laughs> I will, I will be praying to the Flem gods for Thank you. you. Thank you. You guys are killing me. All right. Take care. Go. See you soon. Bye. 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 Bye.